Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today's guest host is the second in the series, and she is an expert on helping family members stay in their own home. She's been on the show before, in addition to the guest hosting, and you can go back and hear her original interview way back, way, way, way back on episode 24. But again, we're not going to be interviewing today. We're actually in the second of our four-part series about the topic that is hugely hot today, and that is intergenerational living. Last week, we talked about the return of multi-generational households. So if you haven't heard that yet, go on back, listen to that. It'll give you kind of a, a preparation for today's topic. And don't forget, too, that we had an expert on the topic Earlier, her name's Lisa Sini, and she actually works with senior living communities to create spaces for the seniors, and she also has intergenerational living at her own home. So today, we're going to talk about the benefits of intergenerational families. Next week, we're going to talk about the challenges of multi-generational families. And finally, in the last of the series, we'll talk about how to have a meaningful and happy multi-generational family life. So remember, if you have parents, in-laws, siblings, or children, then you're going to want to stick around for all four parts of this series. But before we start, I wanted to remind you that this episode is brought to you by the Medicare Quick Step-by-Step Guide for Signing Up for Medicare. If you're signing up for the very first time, you already know how confusing it can be, and this step-by-step guide walks you through it, holds your hand, tells you what to do in order, and best yet, it's absolutely free. You don't even need to put in your email address. Just go to medicarequick.com slash checklist. So, Jonna, thanks so much for coming back on this second of four-part series. Thank you for having me, Kathy. And thanks for picking all of the articles that we're going to be talking about. Today's article is written by, hmm, let's see, it doesn't say actually who it's written by, but it's at MissouriFamilies.org, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. So uh, you actually live in a multi-generational family, Jonna, so you can probably go through these points and tell us which ones you think they've missed and which ones you <laughs> think are the most, you know, the, the greatest benefits. So do you want to start with number one? Sure. Yeah. So I, I really love this article. It was a super short read, just a single page, but it had a lot of great information. And I was really shocked by the statistics. According to the Pew Research Center, 49 million people live in multi-generational families in the U.S. right now. Wow. I just... I, it's just a mind-blowing number. And a lot of that is those 20-somethings. The, the millennials we just, that were being told are yes. refusing to get jobs. Do, do you think they're refusing to get jobs or is it just hard to find a job right now? You know, actually, Kathy, I, I do need to set the record straight. I am a millennial. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when I say they, I, I mean you. Yeah. Are you refusing to get a job? <laughs> <laughs> I am the oldest millennial possible, but I do make the cutoff just barely. So speaking for for my my poor picked on group here, (laughs) I have to say, I think a lot of us are out there working really hard, but it, it is a different environment than you know, some of some of the, the previous generations experience. There's just a lot more, you know, there's a lot more competition for and those barriers. And barriers. There's, right. And and things are changing and moving so fast that being, you know, 
being a little bit older on the scale, the technology that that, that even the the younger millennials are using blows my mind, <laughs> which is crazy. So, so it's it's hard to keep up a little bit. Well, you and know, then, it's when I was oh, so when I when my generation we went to high school, either went to a trade or went to college. After college, there was a whole bunch of people trying to give us a job, and we got to select where we wanted to work. Right now. I don't think that's happening. I know a lot of uh, a lot of millennials that got their degrees, they went through and they're just there are no jobs. And I don't know if that's because they got their degree in the wrong thing. You know, they didn't get their degree in engineering or or CPA or whatever. They got their degree in sociology or uh, whatever. Uh, I'm an English major myself. English, right? <laughs> it's well, not very practical. <laughs> you know, but but there's just not employers lining up to hire people like there were. So, so yeah, I, I totally get it. The, well, the millennials. The, the article talks a lot about, you know, the, the, the changing in the beginning of it. It, it talks about how, um, you know, the, the economy has changed a lot. The, the job market has changed, as you pointed out. So the trend for extended families living together is is really changing a lot because of the factors that we talked about in the last episode, which is you know, the job market. You know, as you mentioned, that's really changed for people coming up and coming. Um, the housing crunch. I mean, just just the the change in the prices and the percentage of you know a person's income that's required to buy a house now, especially on the coast where we live, is is out. You know, it's amazing, Crazy. <laughs> right? Um, so we're seeing a lot of these these pressures and trends moving towards multi-generational families. And I find this really encouraging as a person who lives in a multi-generational family. I have young girls who are, you know, getting into the high school place. And then I have a, a young uh, father who is in his 60s. And so, you know, we have three different generations cohabitating in one environment. And it is a, it can be such a beautiful thing. And this article does a really good job of talking about those benefits. And the first one that they, that they list is the emotional bonding. So I, I've talked to you a little bit about your mom. Um, I'm super close with my mom. And now that my dad's living with me, it's given me a chance to create a relationship on a deeper level. Did you? But what about with the kids though, right? Oh, for sure. So yeah. when I was when I was little, my now we did this out of necessity, like a lot. My mom was a single mom, and when uh, she went to work, a lot of times my grandmother would watch us. So grandma was in the next town. We we lived in a place called the Tri Cities in Washington. So all three of these cities come together, and they're really really close. And we would we would go and. One of the things that I remember about my grandma, who has since passed away, God rest her soul, um, she taught us how to read. But she didn't teach us how to read, I don't think, on purpose. She taught (laughs) us to read to keep us out of her hair. So grandma was a Sunday school teacher, and she also taught piano uh, for a living. She didn't make that much, but, you know, she lived in, I think it was like a... 600 square foot house and it was tiny tiny house and um so she she taught piano sort of to augment her social security but what she did was she sat us down at a card table and and each gave us each a um, notebook you know like like a lined notebook 
gave us a newspaper and some of those little knob-nosed scissors mm-hmm. and some Elmer's glue and said, oh, and at the top of each page, she wrote one page had the letter A, the next page had the letter B, letter C, and so forth. And we weren't, what we had to do was go through the newspaper and we had to find all the words that started with the letter of A. And I oh, think wow. I was four, my sister must have been three, and... Um, and we couldn't move on to the next page until the first page was full, like absolutely oh, wow. full. And we had to ask her, Grandma, is it full? No, it's not full enough. Go get some more letters. And I think just by osmosis, we learned how to read. That's fantastic. Right. And if not for my grandmother doing that, I don't think a um, daycare would have done that. No. You know, they would have just said, here's the TV or whatever daycares do. I don't, I, I don't know. Um, and by the way, we were in daycare for part of that time. Um, but the only thing that I remember about daycare is there was this huge woman that was the daycare owner. And uh, like in my mind, she weighed 500 pounds. She probably weighed as much as I do now. But she was this <laughs> giant, giant woman. Um, that's the only thing I remember about daycare. But I do remember my my grandmother teaching us how to read by doing this. And both my sister and I did very well in school. And my other sister and my brother, who didn't have that uh, happen because we were split up as children, didn't do as well in school. Wow. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But anyway, that was a long tangent, wasn't it? <laughs> no, no. I mean, that was, a, that was a beautiful illustration of the kind of bonding and support that you're going to get across that multi-generational space. I mean, that's one of the things that I love about living in a multi-generational house is that my father's perceptions and perspectives are so much different than mine. And sometimes he does and says things to the girls. And I think, well, that's a lesson that that I had forgotten to teach them. So thank you for bringing that to the table and doing it in a way that I wouldn't have necessarily thought about. Because we're all different humans. Right. Right. We all have our different ways of of managing things. And I think, uh, you know, talking about the emotional bonding between the grandparents and the children and the grandchildren is fabulous. But one of the things I have found surprising for myself is that you spend 18, 20 years with a parent, getting to know them from the perspective of an adolescent and a child. When you, right? Not as an adult. You're like, that is so unfair, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So unfair. All these wonderful memories and, and, and preconceived notions of who your parents are based off of that perspective. So when you enter into this multi-generational household as an adult, as a person in your 30s, 40s, and 50s with somebody who's in their you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, you suddenly start to see them from a different perspective. As a person. A, you, right. get, you, know, you get so much more from it and you remember it too. I think that's another thing. Right. So many things that they did when we were one and a half, we don't even remember. We don't know. I don't remember going to Disneyland when I was 18 (laughs) months old. (laughs) You don't. But you know what? I remember sitting and drinking wine with my dad on a Friday night. I mean, that's, you know, that's what we do now. And, um, and it's been a really awesome time for me to emotionally bond and some of those you know issues that you have as a child you get to work out as an adult you get to sit down and talk through where you wouldn't necessarily have those uninterrupted moments if you were living across the country from each other right or even across the city 
Yeah. Yeah. Or just, you know, if you're sitting and watching Netflix by yourself, you know, it's totally different than when you're having a glass of wine with somebody who lives in your space and your wind down moments after a busy day at work. You just see so many different aspects of a person when they're in your home. Right. Exactly. Her hair or not. She she was brilliant. I I wish I had thought of that game. So, you know, our our grandparents can really offer a different level of socialization. And I think a lot of that happens and you can, I mean, you can weigh in on this, but when you're in that sandwich moment where you're responsible for, you know, the financial growth, happiness and wellness of the primary residents, you're focused on that. Like uh, my goal right now is to provide for my family. My husband's in the same boat. We work, we get home, we're exhausted. We make dinner, we go over homework and then we rush to bed. So our mindset is very much in that space where my father is retired, essentially. He's on a slower path. He can sit down and talk to the kids and he has more bandwidth for games and listening to stories. It's a totally different perspective. Right. It's, it's good to have that village mentality, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard, especially I think some of the pressures of today's living does lend itself to divorce. And we'll talk about the challenges of multi-generational because not everybody gets along with their in-laws, right? Mm -hmm. But there are some definite benefits of that. Um, Like you said, like, like, I'll give you one example. Kids these days don't send thank you cards. Mine do. Well, yours, yours do, but... (laughs) But overall, <laughs> like my, um, my husband and I will give a gift and we've, we've, a lot of the kids we've stopped giving gifts to because we don't even know if they've received them. Like they don't even oh, wow. tell us. So we're like, well, if they're not even going to tell us that they got it. We're not even going to send it. <laughs> Is right. that mean of us not no, to send no. our, our nieces and nephews gifts because they don't acknowledge them. But older adults, that is definitely something that they did. And so some of the culture that those, oh, and I'm glad that your kids are doing it, but I, I would say that a lot of kids these days don't. They don't like to do it. <laughs> well, and they don't do it because their parents don't have time to make them do it, right? right. They're, they're focused on other things, getting their homework done, whatever. Whereas grandparents can bring back some of those older cultural things that they did that actually benefit our kids in the long run. You know, I mean, sending a thank you card can help you in business. You know that. Right, right. So goes back to that role modeling, doesn't it? Yep, absolutely. So you're absolutely right about the the role modeling. So uh, the third point on the list is um, the benefit that it actually brings to the older adult. And I, I think that this one has been really fun to watch. And it's bringing purpose and meaning to the to the lives of an older adult. Now, I'm I'm not suggesting that people in their 60s and 70s need a reason to live so that they should take care of grandchildren. That just sounds awful, right? But the, but my uh, but my oldest daughter runs cross country, and when my dad first came to to live with us, he went to all the meets, oh, nice. and he was. Yeah, he was cheering on the sidelines. He was encouraging. I mean, I think he had probably has four hours of video of watching her run around the track. (laughs) Whatever. So it was just this, it was just this new experience. It was kind of for him getting to relive uh, the good bits of being a parent, you know, the first time and then you know, just being able to kind of relive that again and, and be part of that in a very intimate way. 
so that was, you know, that was one of the things that um, I think he's enjoyed about living. Have you seen that a lot of assisted living communities are bringing in intergenerational programs? Yes, definitely. You know, and these aren't even kids that are related to them. And in in general, you know, they're coming in from preschools or, or the grade schools nearby and having lunch with the residents or doing crafts or whatever they're doing. I think that that is just really awesome that they're trying to bring the generations together, even though they're, they're not necessarily family members. That's cool. Isn't that such a neat use of purpose? I mean, you're, you're creating a program so that the, the children and the teens are understanding what it means to, to spend time with older generations. And you're bringing those children in to benefit from, from the knowledge, wisdom, and patience of, of our older right. uh, people. I mean, it's, it's really beautiful. And clearly, it gives benefit to both sides. Right. And, and some of these kids, they don't even have grandparents on where they live. You know, their grandparents are a plane, you know, a long plane right away. And so they, they wouldn't interact with older people without programs like that. So right. I think that's cool. So you brought up divorce a little bit ago, and now we're at the point in our list where that's one of the benefits, uh, not the divorcing bit, but the, actually <laughs> the support that a uh, multi-generational living situation can have. And um, I am happily married, thank goodness, with a wonderful husband, but I do have a close girlfriend who recently went through a divorce. Her mother was instrumental in making sure that the boys had a good transition. So I, I have firsthand seen what that extended family means in creating normalcy. Um, and research shows that having, having that stable adult really makes a difference in how well the kids acclimate to the new situation. Yeah, it, 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 also, it also seems that having more people that care about you when you're going through the fact that your parents are breaking up, I think that that, that can definitely help. Yeah, right. Both from the kid's perspective, for sure. But even from the perspective of the adult child, I suppose, who's going through it. I spoke with my girlfriend actually just yesterday, and she said she was talking about how she was coming out of it because she's it's just now finalized. And she was just saying that um, she was a mess. She was I was a mess. I have been a mess for the last year. And even though she was still involved with her boys' life, there was a certain emotive amount of emotional detachment because she was just so raw. Right. And so having that support makes a huge difference. People don't even realize in the moment. Right. Having your parents, too, that you can talk to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's, that's um, true. So uh, the I think the thing that you brought up in the last episode was the financial benefit of the multi-generational household. Right. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to buy a house these days. Um, My husband and I were looking at our house the other day and we could not afford to buy our house. (laughs) Really? (laughs) If we had to buy it today, no, we couldn't. And we bought our house 10 years ago, so it, it hasn't even been that long. Oh my gosh. Um, Now that you mention it, I think I'm in the same boat. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So how does a young, and remember we bought our house 10 years ago. So if we were 10 years younger today and wanted to buy our house, we wouldn't be able to. No, 
not a no, not on the coast anyways. <laughs> no, you know, maybe in Iowa or somewhere. If you're living in Iowa and if you want to complain about me keeping bringing up Iowa, go to the show notes at rockyourretirement.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, as I mentioned before, I'm from Oklahoma and the prices really have stayed, you know, fairly similar from 10 years ago when we left. But, you know, we bought our house four years ago. We could buy it four years ago, could not buy it today. So it depends on where you live, I suppose. But having, you know, having that multi-generational element does take some of the pressure off financially. And I think, you know, you you, uh, guessed that maybe a lot of people do it for the financial reasons. I I can definitely see the benefit. Um, I don't remember which article I was reading, but one of them was talking about how, how a lot of people in multi-generational households are living below the poverty line. Um, It's an unfortunate truth, but it does make it possible for people to pull their resources and, and uh, you know, have a better standard of living. So there's definitely that, that financial driver. Well, when you think about it too, Jonna, certain things you're going to have to have, regardless of where you live, you're going to have to have heat or Mm -hmm. electricity. You're going to have to have water. These are things that can be spread across instead of two people or four people could be spread across five or six people. Exactly. You know, depending on the size of your home and, and how many people you're, uh, you're, how many generations you have in your home. But, um, but yeah, it just makes sense to pull resources, especially in today's world, whereas we did have that conversation about maybe Social Security is going to look different, Medicare might look different. And so this might also be a way to help save, you know, if you're if you're not retired, and your parents are helping you out a little bit with the with money. I don't know if that exists in all of the households, but it, it could in some. It can. Yeah. Well, and then the last two points I felt were, you know, I guess the touchy-feely bits were the, you know, in a multi-generational household, you're providing consistent adult companionship and support for each other. I mean, there's something extremely, I guess, uh, warm about knowing that you have a standing date with somebody who thinks you're the awesomest person in the that whole wide world. That would be cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So when your significant other isn't around or you have a few extra minutes, I mean, for me, I can always knock on my dad's door and say, hey, dad, you want to you want to sit and chat? And he's almost always up for a for a Mm. one on one. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, you know, before the article and before what you what you just said. You know, I I always just thought about um, because the people that I know that have their parents living there, they're kind of in their own space, their own bedroom. Oh yeah, mom's living here, but blah, blah, blah. It always seemed to me that it would be better if you actually integrated them into the household instead of them being off in a mother-in-law quarters or, you know, somewhere else. (laughs) Hmm. We can talk about that in the next episode. Okay. In the the challenges. (laughs) Okay. We'll talk about that in the challenges. (laughs) Oh man. What are some of the other, um, do, do, can you think of any benefits that weren't listed in the article? Um, you know, I'm sure that this was covered, but something that really stands out to me, uh, I don't know if they said it specifically, is the ability to kind of walk away from everything. 
I know that before my dad came to live with us, the house, our pets, the kids, that stuff continues day in and day out without break. And it's hard to find someone that you trust to come in and take over that role, especially when they're just stepping in for, you know, a day here or a few hours there. They don't know how your life runs. They don't know all the little bits that you that you do every day. So when you have an adult family member living with you, you know, for me, I can literally say, hey, I need a break. I'm going to Napa for the weekend with my husband. My dad will say, sure, have a great time. And that's it. I don't have to worry about anything. I just know that it's handled. It's his home too. He cares about the way things end up when the day, you know, when the day is done. And, you know, he's very vested in making sure that the house looks the same way it did when we come home. (laughs) So there's some freedom that I don't think a lot of people um, experience when they're running their house without that extended support. Or even the freedom of even if you don't leave. I mean, with me, with our dogs, we're visiting somebody. We have a cutoff date. We've got to go home and take care of the dogs. I mean, we can't just stay out until 11 o'clock at night. We have a cutoff. We've got to go. Sorry, we're having a great time. We got to go take care of the dogs. Yeah. If, If we had somebody else living in the house, you could just call them. Hey, do you mind taking the dogs out? It's, you know, we're not going to be home by 930 when they have to go out. Exactly. Yeah. And for us, it's cows. So so somebody has to be home to feed the cows. And cows are not forgiving. So you you have to feed them right on time. You have to feed the cows? Yeah. What happens if you don't feed a cow? Are they going to glare at you for the next week? Or or what what goes on? (laughs) Well, they moo incessantly. And we have dairy cows. So there's a sense of urgency for a lactating animal. So we just have a a very firm cutoff line. So my dad's home. I can say, hey, dad, do you mind taking care of the cows? And then we can stay out at the beach and enjoy San Diego. So it's fantastic, right? So just the benefit, I think, of freedom and being able to know that there's somebody else who you can, you know, pass the torch on to in a pinch if you need to, um, that I've that I've never experienced before and wouldn't necessarily have without the benefit of the multi generational household. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, these are things that you don't even think of. Hey, I I I can someone's going to cut me some slack, yeah. so I don't feel the pressure that I feel now because there's going to be someone there having my back. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, I mean, I think that if somebody's listening and they're considering entering into this arrangement, they're going to say, yeah, but I don't leave. Yeah, but I wouldn't really use that. Yeah, but that's not that important. I I really, truly believe that when you can disconnect your mind from your daily operations, it does give you a sense of vacation where you wouldn't normally be able to have that. And battery recharging. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, back in whatever day, everybody took Sunday off. Yeah. Right? Everyone took Sunday off and I don't care if you were religious or not, everything was closed on Sundays. You basically, whether you liked it or not, you were going to take Sunday off. And we don't have a day like that. I mean, a lot of religions have a day where you're supposed to be like that, but a lot of us don't follow it. You know, we're still working on our Sabbath, whether it's Saturday or Sunday or whatever day it is. And we can never unplug. And people go on vacations and they still work on vacation. I know that I'm, I am, um, 
guilty of that. Although now that I have a good team, I can leave and not check my email 40 times a day. In fact, I'm not checking my email 40 times a day now because I've got someone who's who helps me with that. And then if there's something that really needs to be taken care of, I get a phone call or I get a text or or something. And they, they tell me, hey, Kathy, you, you really need to handle this. This is going on and, and I take care of it. But um, having someone in your home so you can disconnect, I can completely see how that would just relieve a lot of the stress. And I think a lot of the diseases that we have today are caused by stress. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it's not just, I mean, it's, it's the little things that you don't realize take a lot of your time and energy, like walking the dog, which most of the time is a completely enjoyable experience. But when you're in the middle of something that you're really enjoying and neat experience that you don't get that often, it's really great to be able to delegate that special task to someone that you trust implicitly. Right, right. Okay, so we talked about the benefits today. Next week, we're going to talk about the challenges. So I bet we all have in our mind what the challenges could be. Jonna's actually a great person to talk about this because she's gone through it. She's already done it, so she can tell us what her challenges were. And then we'll also talk about the article as well. So thank you, listeners, for joining us again on today's episode. And we'll see you next time on Rock your retirement. Bye. Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episode starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, 
iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, Actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, We actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, It's probably still the the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is, or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, We're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.